Good morning, K-First. So excited to have this experience with you this morning. And if you would, do us a favor and share this video. So if you're watching Facebook Live, I want you to hit that share button. And if you could just put it out there in your feed, it helps others get a chance to enjoy this worship time with us. What we're going to do today is we're actually not going to divert from our series. We're actually going to dive further into our series because I think it's going to have a good challenge for us in what we're facing today. In fact, I'm going to read to you a scripture. It's going to be out of Exodus chapter 30, verse 17. It says, The Lord said to Moses, You shall make a basin of bronze with its stand of bronze for washing. And you shall put it between the tent of meeting and the altar, and you will put water in it. And this water, Aaron and his son, shall wash their hands and their feet with it. And when they go into the tent of meeting, or when they come near to the altar to minister, to burn food offering to the Lord, they shall wash with the water so that they may not die. They shall wash their hands and their feet so that they will not die. It shall be a statute forever to them, even to them and to his offspring throughout their generations. We have been learning about the tabernacle for the entire month right now. And what we have done is we have slowly walked through the process of getting from the gate all the way to the inner part of the tabernacle where the presence of God was. Two weeks ago, we talked about the gate, and we talked about how the gate had three different colors. You had crimson, which for us represents redemption. We have blue, which represents grace. And we have purple, which represents the majesty and the authority of God. And so we enter toward the presence of God by the authority, the redemption, and the grace of God. And then last week, we dove into repentance by talking about the altar. And there at the altar, uh, sacrifices were made. It wasn't the prettiest sight. In fact, it was like you were giving up the life that you knew and the life that you had and laying it on the altar. And there, that was consumed. And when you left that place, that messy place, you then walked to the place of cleansing at this basin that the scriptures calls the laver. It's a simple word. We don't use that word quite that often, but a laver is just, it's a basin. It's a, it's like a big bowl that is set upright for which um, a priest would have taken all of the mess that they kind of inherited from the sacrifice. It was a messy place. There's soot and there's junk all over them. And they would begin to wash themselves before going into the presence of God. And I think that's such an important thing to talk about today because today is a day about self-examination and reflection. It was, wow, uh, possibly 15, almost 20 years ago, probably more like 15 years ago, uh, we found ourselves at the Midland County Fair. And it's one of the things that we did every single August was to take the kids to the county fair. Uh, my kids love going there. They love seeing the animals. Ethan used to talk about how he loved seeing the, the, the cows poop. Um, it was just hilarious to watch our kids just kind of engage into just the fair culture. It was awesome. We had the Midland French Fry Wagon. Uh, there's a place that I rem remember that had cider um, slushies. And uh, consequently, they were right next to each other, so it worked out really well for us. But nevertheless, as you're journeying around the Midland County Fair, you would stumble upon a monkey. And that's exactly what I just said, a monkey. And now this monkey would have like a, a cute little vest on and he had like an Uncle Sam hat on. And his trainer was right next to them, him and just kind of stood there. And kids and families would surround the monkey and what you would do is you would pull out a quarter 
hand it to the monkey, and the monkey would take the quarter, put it in his little pocket, and then tip his hat to you. And I think it was like the greatest money-making scheme there because kids were begging their parents for quarters. And every year it would show up and it's the same monkey, the same situation, and I would love to know how much money this thing actually made. But when you, I really thought about it after a while, I'm like, this is all this monkey lives for, it seems. It's just, its life is revolving around one mode of life. I'm serving people one quarter at a time, and all I'm getting is a quarter, and they get a tip of the hat, and this is all it seems like that monkey knows. And for some reason, that was the image and the story that kind of popped in our mind, because I think every one of us can get to a mode of life because of maybe an image or something that was handed to us that says, this is your way, the way you have to act now, based upon your past, based upon your history, maybe based upon your upbringing, maybe based upon your economical status. This is the way you have to act now. And when we look here into the labor, what we actually see is we see that the labor is a place of transformation. In fact, as I said before, the priest would leave a very dirty and a dismal spot, which was the altar, covered in ash, covered in other things, just trying to deal with sacrifice. And the words that I wrote down this past week was this. He was standing there covered in the ashes of who he used to be. That's the title of my message today, Standing in the Ashes of Who You Used to Be. You see, the labor was both practical and it was ceremonial. It was practical in a sense that having dealt with animals and having dealt with sacrifice and having dealt with fire, it's practical just to get yourself cleaned up. So the labor was a place to wash. It was a place to get cleansed. But also ceremonially, it was a place that prepared them to do the work of God. Because just because they sacrificed and just because they washed, the work was not yet done. It cleaned them off. And most importantly, it prepared them for ministry. You see, a priest would actually look into the labor and he would look at his reflection and he would identify what needed to be cleansed. This is a powerful thought. It's a powerful understanding because what, what you have to understand about the labor is how the labor was made. Exodus chapter 38 verse 8 says that he made a, bra a basin of bronze and a stand of bronze from the mirrors of the ministering women who ministered at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Do you understand what it said? The Israeli ladies took these brass mirrors that they would have taken from Israel. These were the, the looking glasses, so to speak, that they would have looked into. Now, we take mirrors for granted. Um, here in my home, I could see a couple mirrors around me. We, we just take them for granted, but they were very valuable, and, and not everybody had them. So they gave of whatever they used to capture their image. They donated that. They gave it as a free will offering to Moses and the priest, and they took those mirrors, they took those bronze looking glasses, beat them, and melted them into this laver. So not only was a reflection what they saw from the water, but they also saw that basin so shined, all of those mirrors so shined, that they caught the full image of what needed to be cleansed. You see, mirrors, they just simply have a way to help us to see ourselves. Mirrors, in fact, they have everything to do with how we see ourselves. 
Let's, let's stick with the fair theme. I don't know if you've ever gone to a carnival or to a fair and you've gone, gone into what's been called a fun house. And usually inside a fun house, um, there's just numbers of weird rooms there. And one of the rooms that I've noticed and I've gone into as a child was called the House of Mirrors. And it was the type of carnival experience where you would walk into the room and you would see a variety of mirrors that were bent, they were curved in different ways to completely change the image of how you saw yourself. As a short guy, I can walk up to one mirror and because of the bend in the mirror, I can look like I was tall. There are some mirrors that you can walk into it and you would look shorter than what you really were. And depending upon the bend of the mirror would dictate the type of image that you would see. I want you to understand something. Not every mirror that you look into tells a true story because there are some images that we are looking at in our life that are bent around our family history. There's some of you that look in the mirror and you don't necessarily see what you look like in the present. All you see is a family history that maybe you are ashamed of, maybe you've been hurt by, something maybe you inherited that you had no choice of inheriting, but you look and you see an image that is bent around a family history. Some of you look at an image and all you see is an image that is bent around what people have said of you. Some of you will look at an image and you only see an image that's bent around the mistakes that you've made. Maybe you look at an image and all you can see uh, of, of your life and of the world is that which a politician has told you. Or let's go a little bit deeper. Maybe the image that you see in yourself or others is the image is bent around what your political party has stated. Maybe some of the images that you see and yourself and others are bent around the latest trend in social media. Maybe like what we're facing today, the image that we see, whether it's here or elsewhere, is dictated by the current crisis or tragedy that we are dealing with. I don't know what type of image you see, and I don't know what that image has been bent around to kind of manipulate the image that you see in the mirror or that you see in other people. But I am so glad that there is a God that speaks a better word. That's the word that Hebrews chapter 12 verse 24 gives us that says, listen, there is a God who speaks a better word. There is one who speaks a better word. And I don't know what type of image you see in the mirror. And I don't know what type of image somebody has, has tried to cast upon you. I don't know what the image of your life has been bent around that has been manipulating what you see in your life. But I'm here to tell you that because of Jesus Christ, he speaks a better word over your life. Where somebody may have called you lost, God calls you redeemed. Where somebody has looked at, looked at you and said, you're nothing but a fracture. God can bring healing and, and, and vitality into your life. I've had people look at others and say, you're nothing more than a mistake. But God doesn't make mistakes. You are uniquely and beautifully made. And I'm here to celebrate that I don't care what image people have told you you are. I don't care what people have spoken over your life. What I do care is that God has spoken a word over you and it is better than any human being, better than any government, any politician, than any doctor, than anybody can ever speak over you. You are a child of God and I want you to understand that. And so when I look at the labor, I, I look at it and I'm reminded what image am I seeing of myself? What image do I see? Because when you see yourself in the light of who Jesus is, it changes everything. I mean, wrap your head around that. When you see yourself in the light of who Jesus is, it changes everything. 
And I think that alone can aid in how we respond to ourselves, to our family, and to this world when it comes to the crisis that we are in. Because when we see ourselves in the light of Christ, when we see our world in the light of Christ, we don't see life like those who have no hope. We don't act like those who have no peace. We don't respond like those who have no mercy. We don't live like those who have no provider. We don't think like those who have been abandoned. We don't live in fear like those who have no victory. And we don't give like those who have nothing. If we are the people of God, then dang it, let's be the people of God and show this world the image of Jesus. Let's show the world what Jesus looks like. Let's pour into our world an image of what the community of Christ is supposed to look like. And we can hang our heads and say, wow, look at what does this world come to. But listen, I say, look at who this world is coming to. This Jesus is here and his body is here. We are the body of Christ. And I believe that this is an unparalleled opportunity for you and I to be the image of Christ to the world that needs to see an example of who he is. Man, I am so stoked about this opportunity. It breaks my heart what this sickness is doing to families, but yet every single dark moment is an opportunity for the light of Christ to shine. And I wonder, I wonder if we've got people around us that are saying, man, where is Jesus in all of this? Where is he present? I say, this is the church's time. Because perhaps if the church, if you and I can show up, people will actually see, wow, God is present. Remember, the laver was a mirror made by mirrors. This laver, this basin was literally a mirror to look at yourself, but it was created of mirrors. And I love how it was created. Do you remember what we said a few minutes ago? It was made by these ladies who gave up, let's say it this way, images of themselves. They freely gave up their mirrors. They freely gave up their own image, so to speak. They gave of their own image so that a greater image could be formed. And I wonder, I wonder if that's a huge lesson for every single one of us, that perhaps if we could submit how we see ourselves, we can actually see how God sees ourselves. Hey, let's take it a little bit deeper. If we could submit how we look at others, Maybe a particular group of people, maybe a particular political group or affiliation, maybe a uh, specific race or branded people or whatever class that you have stuffed somebody in. Perhaps if we submitted, like those ladies submitting the mirrors, submitting their own image, maybe if we simply submitted and gave over to God what we think and what we see to gain what he sees, perhaps we would see greater victory in people's lives. Some of us just need to surrender some of the things that we've created ourselves. Some of the opinions and images that we've cast upon people. I wonder if we could begin to submit that and begin to see the true change in the body of Christ that Jesus truly wants for us. I wrote this down. To approach the labor was to do so with the intention of the expectation of change. You see, I've had people say, we just got to take our burdens to the Lord and leave it there. But I think we actually leave out a very important part of the process because the priest can just walk up to the laver, but he had to actually engage with the laver 
because the goal wasn't to get to it. The goal was to actually engage in it so this actually changed. You see, do more than just leave your burden to the Lord. Do more than just submit how you viewed certain individuals or how you viewed groups of people. I would submit, don't just leave it there, but begin to engage in change. The purpose of coming to Jesus is not so we can walk away the same way we walked in. The purpose of engaging Jesus is to see the life of Jesus put in us and lived out through us so the world can properly see the image of Christ. And that's why we have to expect to change. Man, we could have spent so much time talking about washing and talking about water. There's just so much richness in scripture. But I did make a note that it was in uh, James, that James chapter one, where James actually talks about washing. In fact, he actually associates washing and scripture together. He says this in James 1, 22, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing uh, at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and you forgot what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Understand this, scripture is more than a magnifying glass. And I think that we have misused scripture because James is trying to tell us the scripture is almost like the labor. It's almost like a basin of water where we not just look at a reflection, but we engage in it in order that we might be changed. But many of us take scripture and instead of it being a, a mirror to look into, we use it as a magnifying glass to identify what's wrong with other people or what's wrong with this situations. Listen, I wonder if we need to really change our mentality about scripture because it was not meant to be a looking glass at other people. It was meant to be a basin, a mirror, a laver like in the tabernacle that we would look in and begin to see our lives in light of who Christ is. And instead of using the scripture to weaponize, to attack others, perhaps we should look at scripture as that basin that we look, we reflect, and we dive in in order to be obedient so that when we walk away, the we carry the effects and the marks of Christ all over our lives. And how does this all begin though? It begins just like the ladies of Israel. It begins with a willingness to let go of how you see, on how you see yourself. Let me say that again. How do we begin to see transformation in our lives? It begins with the exact same way the women of Israel presented their mirrors. They let go of how they look at themselves and submit it to the Lord so that something could be transformed to prepare the priest for ministry. You see, that's the whole key of the labor. It was more than taking a bath. It was preparing the priests to move forward and to minister. It prepared them to work in the presence of the Lord. You see, our self-reflection today prepares us and equips us to serve tomorrow. I want to say that again. Our self-reflection today equips us to serve tomorrow. Our church does not need to just exist on Sundays because the world will never see the transformation if that's the way it works. The world does not need a church that only exists on Mondays. The world does not need a church that can only exist in the four walls of 5550 Oakland Drive, Portage, Michigan. 
The world needs a church that is willing to be the church outside of the church. And I think we can truly be the church when we stop worrying about how we look in terms of our people's opinions of us. But I think we can truly be the church when we wash in the presence of God, we take in the word of God, and we begin to see his image in our lives. And it begins with us simply submitting our image to him. We submit our, let's say it this way, our mirrors to him and say, God, what could you create? What would you want to shape this with? How would you want to use me? Because as we submit to his image, it prepares us to reach the world around us. How do we respond in this time in 2020? In this wild time where sports leagues are closing, Schools have closed for a season. University has closed, have closed down. Businesses are shutting down for a season. How do we respond? Honestly, we're just going to say it this way. We're going to respond by walking in the image of Jesus Christ. As a pastor, I met with, uh, I went over to our city hall and, and uh, made contact with our city manager's office. And this is what I simply said. Our response as a church is to come alongside of you so if you need anything as a city, you call on K-First and we're going to provide the volunteers. We didn't want the city to rally to us. We wanted to rally to the city. And so over the next week, that's what our staff is going to be diving into, is trying to find out where are the needs of the city. Because what we don't need is for people to run to us to see what we are doing. We're not called to be a hospital as much as we are called to be first responders. So many churches are enjoying the moments of feeling like they're a hospital for people to come. But I would submit that our role is not to wait for the sick to come to us. Our role is to be first responders, to go and to meet people where they are at. And so I'm going to ask you to be the body of Christ. Because what my main point of this message is, is this. Is God wants people to be able to look at your life and to get a glimpse of who Jesus is. How can you do that this week? How about this? Find a shut-in who needs somebody to visit them. Find somebody who needs a meal and bring them a meal. Find somebody that maybe is in their home and maybe they're alone. Find a single mom and invite them over for a meal and see if there's any needs that they have. Maybe you know of a family in your community that has two parents working and they're wondering what to do with their children during this time where the schools are shut down. Why don't you open up your home to those children? What you can do is find an innovative way to take your life, the God-given life that he's given you, and begin to just go to the labor, so to speak. Go into the presence of God and just begin to say, God, change my image so that, Lord, I can see who you are. Lord, help me to see me in light of who you are and begin to change me. And then as we do that, begin to ask yourself, Lord, help me to see this world around you. Help me to see my neighborhood in the way that you see my neighborhood. And perhaps if we can stop seeing maybe how life has bent the images around us and we can see people in the way God sees them, instead of seeing the chaos, we can see life as an opportunity to bring love, peace, and hope to the world around us. My challenge this whole week has not changed. We at K-First we are going to be agents of wisdom, and we are going to be agents of hope. And the goal today is to wash in the labor of God's presence and to lay down whatever image we have built up, whatever brand that we have built up of our life, we want to lay that down and submit that to the Lord like those ladies with those mirrors in order to say, God, 
Take it and use it. Shape it. Mold that image because it's going to prepare us, us, you and I, as priests of God to go in this world and to minister in the presence of God. This world needs to see an image of God. Now more than any time right now, we are in a global crisis. And again, we don't hang our heads. We lift up our eyes because we are people of hope. And my challenge this week is this, is who in your community needs to see the image of Jesus? I'm going to pray over you in just a moment. And I'm going to ask that the Lord would do honestly, a very convicting and wonderful and shaping work in our life. And my heart would be this, is that you would just offer yourself to the Lord. Offering your hands, your hearts, your mind, your soul, your finances, your home. What if we took everything that we are and we simply offered that image unto the Lord and say, Lord, shape it how you want to shape it so that whatever you shape can be used for however you want to use it. This week, I believe that God's going to use us like lavers, a place for people to come, see the image that the Lord would want them to see, and that God would do a transformative work so that his image would be made known to the people in our area. One more time, my main thought, God wants people to look at your life and get a, and get a glimpse of who Jesus is. That's my heart for you this week. That's my heart for you on social media. That's my heart for you in your neighborhoods. That's my heart for you when you're in Meijer or Walmart or wherever you shop, wherever you go. Help people have a glimpse of who Jesus is. And it starts with this moment. Would you bow your heads with me? In fact, I would encourage you to get to a posture of prayer. Just hold out your arms to the Lord as if you're offering who you are to Him. Maybe you're full of fear right now. Would you just hold out your arms as if you're offering that unto Him? Maybe you're going through some hurts right now. Maybe you're going through sickness right now. Would you just get into a posture of prayer, just holding out your arms to the Lord and offer that which you're struggling with to Him? Let's get a little bit deeper. Maybe you're here and you're hurting because the image you see in the mirror is bent around fear, maybe bent around some brokenness, maybe bent around some mistakes. Would you just offer that to the Lord? So if you would, could you just close your eyes? Wherever you're watching this from, just close your eyes if you would. And just get into a posture of, of prayer and just hold your hands out. And would you just let me pray over you? Lord Jesus, we come to you. The one that gives us streams of living water that flows from you in and through us. And Lord, what we do today is we offer to you the image that maybe we've been trying to build, maybe the image that we've been trying to protect, the brand that we've been trying to develop of our lives so that people think maybe something of us that we really aren't. Or Lord, maybe we just begin to submit an image to you that maybe has been bent around tragedy, brokenness, maybe a very tough week or a tough month or a tough life. Lord, even with the concerns of this tragedy, we just offer to you everything that we are, asking you, Lord, to shape our lives in your image. I ask you, Lord, take our brokenness and pour your presence into that and bring wholeness and vitality. We're yours today, God. And Lord, my prayer is that shaping that is taking place right now in our hearts would find a place of fruition throughout this week. 
Lord, we do more than just bring our lives to you. But Lord, we bring our lives to the labor, Lord, in order to be shaped, to be cleaned up. We don't want to live in the ashes of what we were. God, we're ready to rise, cleaned, forgiven, cleansed, strengthened, and made whole in order to be priests in the kingdom of God to do ministry around our city. So Lord, open up opportunities. Open up doors for us to speak into people's lives. Give us ears that are quick to listen and mouths that are slow to speak. Give us opportunities to share what we have graciously. Help us, Lord, to look to serve endlessly. Give us strength to give tirelessly, God. This is your time, and we proclaim that this is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Because, Lord, even though the enemy would love to use something to distract, God, you can use it for the good of the kingdom of God. So we speak your grace, your mercy, and your power over one and all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you all. Join us next week, 10 o'clock a.m. for another live service right here on our KFIRST Facebook. Again, feel free to share. Feel free to like um, uh, the video itself and help spread the KFIRST experience and the challenge that we are here not to live in the dust of what we came from, but to walk in the image of what God has called us to be. Love you all. Have an amazing day.